did people survive Taylor Swift weekend? In Chicago, Lily went to Taylor Swift. Wyatt, the, the old wifey went to uh, Taylor Swift on Sunday. Good times. Traffic is crazy. Uh, so so that was all good. Hey, welcome back to the DMGT Podcast. I am your host, Danny. We are without Spencer this week as he is tied up with other things. Um, but I do have an idea. So I don't know. Spencer usually doesn't. He listens to some of these. So uh, I'll wait. I'll wait for a surprise for those of you that get through at some point. So I'm not going to say when. So Spencer doesn't like spoil the surprise. Um we have a lot to get to this week. It's going to be a stacked week, so next week's episode is also going to be busy. But we have Apple event things to talk about. WWDC has kicked off. Uh, Diablo 4 has officially launched on top of having the extended four-day or early access for pre-order, pre-order folks like I did. I got the... Uh, uh, I'm a sucker, so I did the Ultimate Edition. Um Street Fighter 6 has launched to really good reviews. It's 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 a busy time. And then we got Summer Games Fest starting on uh technically on Wednesday. There's like that indie uh the indie showcase, but officially starting on Thursday, and then that runs through the weekend. So it's a busy week for <laughs> for people that decided to do whose bright idea was it to do a tech and music and video gaming uh, coverage and content things and now this week is just absolutely loaded with content and i am uh busy i did it, i did this myself that's okay that's okay so let's start off with uh Let's start off with the with the big thing. So we'll we'll start off with the Apple event uh, because obviously the uh, Vision Pro there. I got a YouTube video up if you want to go check out like the full highlights. But we'll get into some more nitty gritty details here um, and my thoughts after I've had uh, the beta of iOS 17 on my phone for a day. Uh, we'll get to the my impressions uh, so far and and thoughts on Diablo 4. Of, they've changed up some things from the beta, from the closed beta from a couple of months ago. Um, I didn't get around to the open beta, what was it, two weeks ago? Uh, I was too busy playing Tears of the Kingdom, which I am still wrapping up a review on that's coming to YouTube soon. I'm sorry, it's a busy week. I gotta I gotta knock that out or or, or I'm in trouble. Um and then we'll we'll move over to to a little bit of um uh, oh boy, and then some some games, some uh, summer games fest preview because uh, this it's, it's effectively uh, the E3 killer. I don't think they killed it themselves, but you know it's effectively taking the, the place of of E3, um, and we'll see if 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 Xbox, who has been talking a lot of smack on Twitter, I res- I mean I appreciate it, I respect it, like um, talk the talk. I, I wish they'd walk the walk a little bit more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that's okay. I respect that. You know they're. You know they're marketing, man. I get it. It, it. It's a game. The game is the game, so you, you got to play it. Um, so let's start off with uh, Apple's WWDC, the conference. It was almost two hours long. There was a ton, a ton to get to, and I have some thoughts now that I've uh, sat on this for a little, around a day or so um, since since the conference. Okay, so they had two hours worth of content, and it, they were. Sp- Speeding through so many features, like it was maybe one of the most stacked WWDCs I remember in, in certainly in years, um, and for good reason. They had a lot of software updates, a lot of hardware updates, and then obviously we'll t- get over to the big 
the big updates, the Vision Pro, their new AR, VR, mixed reality headset. It's a, it's a VR headset. It's a VR headset. It's not completely translucent. They made it look like it was during the presentation, but it's not. It's a straight up, fully enclosed headset that just happens to have uh, an external display on the front. So... Let's get to some of the, the smaller things first, some of the, the software things that I recapped in my YouTube video if you want to go check that out. But we'll get into some, some more details. We started off with, um, I, uh, not with iOS, with some Mac updates. So we now have a 15-inch 15 15-inch 15 MacBook Air with an M2 chip. The line, I've been saying this for a while, and I, I think that that's now a common thing that's going around. It's just they need to figure out a way to streamline streamline the um, the MacBook lineup because you have uh, what is it a 13 inch Air, and then you go 14 inch for the Pro, and then you're now at a 15 inch this new one with four different the four different colors um, on the Air, and then the 16 inch Pro. Not to mention. Uh, the iPad and iPad Pro, right? That also got a bunch of updates that that we'll get to in in a little bit. So the Air M2 uh, brings down the price of the uh, the 13 inch to 10.99. You can get the um, uh, the the old the old M1 Air uh, for less than that. It's like sub a thousand dollars now, which I think they're both very good values. I think for lightweight you're gonna do some productivity things the dm2 chips like i I mean i don't know what else i can say about uh apple silicon it just keeps getting better and better and like i think for for the value and the performance that you're you're getting out of this machine it's it's totally worth it it's why it's probably the best uh pound for pound laptop out there right now especially at that price like it's an expensive laptop don't get me wrong but for a thousand bucks you're not getting uh a Windows-based machine at this price that performs uh, similarly, especially if you're doing any sort of productivity or, or creative things around like um, video editing or, or music production or, or just any of the efficiency things like that. And now a decent, uh, acceptable, I will say acceptable gaming performance. It's not uh, ideal, but acceptable because they definitely talked about a little bit of, um, of that stuff. So just a quick update there, four different colors. Looks fine. There's that midnight blue-ish color that looks okay. Um, I wish they went back to like cobalt for like uh, for the, the the chassis, just because it's like if you have this midnight blue, like the the whole concern about the the cobalt black um, from a, years ago at this point is that it scratched too easily, and those scratches were like clear, and the way that they're like anodizing the aluminum with the paints and stuff, which just was you know, weird. The same, you're going to run into the same issue potentially with the Midnight Blue. So give me a Cobalt, Apple. Give me a Cobalt MacBook Pro. I would, I would trade in my existing ones for, for that one. Like there, there's a darker one now, but I need it like deep, like that old, uh, who was it? The iPhone 11 or something like that or the 10. Um, but anyways, that's, that's on the side. They moved on to the Mac studio, uh, which is nice that it wasn't an abandoned product. Um, the M2 has an M2, uh, not Max, an Ultra, which is effectively two M2 Maxes. Same deal. Like the, these is this is they had some crazy stats up there. We need to see some like real benchmarking and things like that that um, we'll probably get from some of the major tech channels in, over the next week or two. 
But starting at two thousand, at two thousand dollars, it's a pretty powerhouse of of a device. The M2 Ultra chip. Uh, what do they say? Twenty two simultaneous playback streams of eight K video. It's just who needs that? It's a. I mean, I'm sure there are some production instances out there where that is necessary for. I don't know. Like I'm thinking of like Oppenheimer. Like okay, now Nolan's using uh, film, so it's not like he's using you know digital footage. So the processing there isn't like super important. But you know, like probably like major film productions is where a lot of that that is happening, and when whatever other use cases I'm I'm totally forgetting about right now. Um, but it's just cool. It's one of those where it's like if you can, why not? Go, go big or go home, right? So the Mac Studio got that big upgrade, and then, and then. The Mac Pro made its triumphant return, the modular design, you know, the cheese grater uh, front with the hole and the handles and the $1,000 wheels and all that, that Mac Pro, it is back um, with the effectively the same chip, which was interesting. So you, you can get the M2 uh, Ultra in the Mac Studio, and then the Mac Pro also has the M2 Ultra. However, this one definitely has, uh, uh, it, it, it obviously for expansion. So really the biggest thing that you can do there, that you would do there, is add PCIe cards, um, which it does support up to, what, what, what did it say, G uh, six Gen 4 PCIe expansion slots that you can use all at once. Very impressive, I think. Very impressive. Once again, another like super high end use case. Like, I don't know if someone's like literally doing rocket science on some of these machines. Um, it's like, I think someone did the math of like, uh, if you max it out all the way, it's like $40,000 cheaper than the 2019 Intel based one uh, with the Xeon chips, um, which is still ridiculous. I think it's still you're still paying like 15 grand or something stupid like that. But that one starts off, that one starts off at uh, $6,000, $59.99. I thought for sure it was going to be uh, 10 grand. Um, that's what I had tweeted out there, but no, $59.99. Again, Apple, these devices are super high end. Uh, they're not for everyday consumers. I'm not even going to bother getting too deep into the details for those because they're just so niche um, that are just fun to look at, but there, there's like we don't need we don't need that much horsepower uh through through most of it so from that hardware they moved on to uh, some software and some os stuff so let's start with ios 17 because i've been using the um the the beta uh today all day and some some fun stuff here that, that i'm enjoying and i think that some people will enjoy i think uh a couple of the big ones being the uh the live transcription for voicemails as, as they're coming through so you're going to see the transcriptions of a message coming through as someone's as as they're recording the voicemail so it's very similar to um and I'm going to age myself a little bit for anyone that remembers answering machines back in the day where someone's leaving a message and like you can hear their voice over the answering machine and then you could pick it up. You know, if, if like it's someone that you knew or it's like they're leaving a message that you care about. The whole idea here and how Apple pitched it was that the uh, just a more convenient way of keeping track of a call and making like a quicker or a, yeah a quicker determination if like if it's like something you need to attend to right away or not um like emergency circumstances if you happen to be like in the middle of a meeting or something like can i skip this one can i wait can this wait till later or do i need to like step out and grab it right away i think it's going to use 
either way more maliciously than that, or just people are going to have fun with it. I'm, you know, just the nature, nature of the internet, the beast of how people uh, operate. That's how, that's how I would do it. You know, if I know I'm going to, I'm going to voicemail and I know you're already updated to iOS 17, I'm like, Hey, I know you can see the, the call coming through. Pick up the damn phone. You punk. Why are you sending me the voicemail? Especially if you know, you can tell when they send you the voicemail, they're going to see that live transcription. I think that opens up the opportunities for a bunch of funny content. So uh, nothing. Cra- it's a it's a nice quality of life thing. A lot of these updates um, on the softer side, uh, some big quality of life updates. iOS 17 as a whole, I think, is adding a lot more dynamic range on the visual uh, on the visual aspect of it. I think it looks very different uh they're they're starting to move away from like the hard flats everything which i appreciate i was not a fan of everything going flat on flat 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 color buttons and and design that whole design shtick that started in like the mid 2010s uh i was not a fan of it then i'm not a fan of it now and they're starting to add like some shadows and a little bit of texture to like the app buttons and like the overall style it's a little bit more stylized uh which i i think is a good thing i think is a good thing let's everything is everything was getting boring with the same flat color and tones uh i want some texture a little bit of texture you know um it's completely meaningless it's but i don't know it's just if i'm looking at my phone all day um why not? Why not switch up something like that? This this is one of those things that Spencer will be like, I don't care. This doesn't mean anything. Like, yeah, but this is a tech podcast, Spencer. We're we're just talking about dumb things. So I'm gonna bring up something fun. Uh, I'm just kidding, Spencer. We love you. Um, that was a pretty good one. They're fixing autocorrect, making it less annoying, so you can actually swear. It'll stop saying. It'll stop our autocorrecting your f word, your f bomb into uh, to duck. I think one of the most convenient things there is that it'll, if it autocorrects it, just one tap on the word will give you the option to go back to the word that you initially typed uh, originally, um, which I think is is convenient. I hate when like auto everyone autocorrect is like very fifty fifty. I think I think autocorrect actually works more often than it doesn't. You just notice more when it's not working and it's not doing the thing that you intended. That's what people, uh, I, I think, pick up on the most. Uh, but then they did, they, they like very much stayed away from calling things AI. But on the, speaking of autocorrect and on the messaging side of things, um, they're ta- they talked a lot about like language models and algorithms and learning how you speak and how you converse and interact with your phone and the device and everything happening on the device with the process, with the neural processors or whatever. Um, it just it's just processing, man. It's just computing. Uh, but that that's that's what they talked about a little bit. Not quite calling AI, but it'll start completing or, or suggesting phrases to complete sentences for you as you're typing them out on your phone based on the behaviors that they've learned that your phone and your device has learned um, from your own patterns. Not the, no no biggie. This is basically just like autocomplete or autofill, like we've had in you know Google search for decades at this point um maybe not decades but you know like uh, upwards of 10 years just more convenience things there uh, on that side the posters feature which is effectively like i just did my mine where you can like design your own poster of like it's either your um 
it's not the Memoji, right? It's the, uh, is it the Memoji? I forgot what it's called, but it's your own like avatar. You can either have your avatar, you can select a photo, you can like stylize it however you want. And then when you share your contact information, it'll either update it um, forever who's whoever is already your friend and on your contacts, or when you're sharing the uh, your contact information with someone else. Which on that note, they had this new uh, what do they call it? Uh, name drop, um, which is effectively just putting your two phones together. Boom! It's like your little business cards or your contact information. You can like swap your contact information with that. Uh, I want to see this in practice. I haven't gotten around to playing around with this um but the first thing i thought of is like this would be annoying if like i'm like at a table at a restaurant or something and like uh, in the off chance that like someone's you know someone's phone gets near mine is it gonna trigger it right away and like am i like watching it is like uh, unintentional i'm sure apple thought about some of this stuff and they're usually pretty good about it but sometimes they mess up sometimes they you know miss some of those use cases um so I, i'm curious on like how that would look like just because I wouldn't want that triggering every single time someone puts their iPhone next to mine. But honestly, really not, not that, but not that, that big of a deal. Um, but that, that looks pretty good. Cool. They did a decent amount of time talking about iMessage, which effectively meant they are not going to, as much as Google will plead, Apple is basically saying, no, we're never going to switch over to RCS, which whatever. I'm not like, it's annoying. I think Apple could. So if they could, they just do it. Uh, they're at this point, they're like a big enough brand where it's like no one like it doesn't matter at this point. Like it doesn't like you're not winning over anyone that you haven't already won over, in my opinion, um, on, on switching over to like your ecosystem. So just adopt RCS Apple. But they're not. They did a bunch of stuff like with um being able to change some of your, uh, make some of your photos uh, into stickers for reactions and stuff in iMessage. Uh, you know how like last year they they did the the whole uh, subject thing where you can like copy like a person or your pets or an item and like it'll remove the entire background and then like use that as like an image that you can share or or post anywhere else. Um, now you can use those as stickers. Convenient. But, you know, whatever. Uh, the catch-up feature in iMessages in particular, I think, is one of the more uh, useful ones where effectively if, you know, your the, the group chat blows up for whatever reason, we've all been there. Uh, if you are if you have friends like me, uh, it doesn't happen often. Uh, it actually doesn't happen ever, really. So uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just kidding. Uh, it'll, you when you go, like, say if you're in a meeting or whatever, you just couldn't get to your phone and all of a sudden there's like 30 messages in the group chat. Um, the catch up was now basically just an arrow. So it's optional. You opt in. Lily was asking me about this and she was like, I don't like this. I'm like, no, you know, you opt in, you opt in. Um, it's an arrow. So when you open up the, the thread, it'll take you to the last message that you didn't read in the thread. So that's nice. Yeah, you know, it's like, okay, oh my God, where where does where does all of this start? You know, like because sometimes it's like that many messages you scroll and scroll, and it's like, I don't know. Uh, this I read this already. Wait, like, where are we? Oh, this is where I responded. Now it'll take you directly to the newest message that you didn't read. And you can like catch up that way. That's why it's called catch up. It's fine. I think again, a lot of like very uh quality of life things. The um standby mode, I think is relatively useful it's like one of those things that um i think it was the whole idea around the always on display just like having more functional things on the always on display when it's like in sleep mode um 
but now standby mode where you turn it on your side if it's either plugged in uh, via the lightning cable or MagSafe. Um, when you uh, shift it to portrait mode, uh, landscape, sorry, not portrait, uh, landscape, you can see like widgets on like the time, calendars, um, timers, sports scores, things like that. So it's effectively trying to do things that like I've seen other devices that that do similar things where it's like just like constant monitoring of like a stock or your portfolio, that sports score, your calendar events, whatever, uh, some of those widgets. Um, looks pretty cool. I mean, uh, for me, I'm like, I have my watch or if I'm at my desktop, it's like nice to just have like, you know, I, I have like I can see the time at the top right of my taskbar. But like sometimes it's cool if I could have like um, a sports score like out of the way. Like I'm not looking at my phone while at my desk because I have iMessages pulled up on Mac. So something like that I think is is uh, kind of convenient. Uh, I do that for with like basketball games and stuff, especially when I'm uh, gaming these days. Um, I have like the NBA Finals going in the background somewhere else. Um, if I'm not watching it with with Spencer or, or Jay or Pat, shout out Pat and Jay. I know y'all listen. Shouts out. Let's play some Diablo. We'll talk about Diablo in a second. Uh, but so some of those updates were, were cool. And then moving over to the iPad side, uh, I, honestly, the biggest thing that I really cared. Oh, they added like journaling, um, a journaling app, which they, they spent a lot of time talking about um, like mental health and wellness. It's, it's one of those weird, it's just like one of those weird things where it's like this massive electronics com- consumer electronics uh, company and like software company that's like trying to engulf your entire digital footprint. Um, it's like, we care about your health. And if you use our product, your health's going to get better. You know, it's like, it felt very much like one of those things a little bit. But it's not, as I say, at the same time, it's like, okay, I guess there's some benefit. There's some use to it. It's not completely uh, malicious. So the journaling app is more like, oh, uh, track how you're feeling. And here's like, uh, it, it's like all optional, which which the uh, apps get tracked in, in the journaling app where it's like, here's what you were listening to. Here's where you were. Uh, maybe it was like during a walk or after you woke up or maybe after you ate, like a lot of these behaviors that your phone keep is keeping a, tra- a track of anyways. Um, you can like implement them into the journaling for like keeping tabs of like how you're feeling and things like that. So um, they called it uh, practicing gratitude which whatever, whatever, it's fine. Um, But that one was interesting. Okay, and then really I'm moving on to iPad OS. Uh, These were like, again, quality of life things except for the, no, actually both of them were (laughs) very functional, not quality of life things. On the iPad specifically, uh, they're very functional. The, The ability to actually interact with the widgets on the screen that you had on your iPad. So instead of it, you know, you have your, notifications or your reminders uh, widget that you have expanded on uh, on your iPad, instead of like tapping into it and then it'll just pull up the app, you can directly in, uh, interact with those things on the widget directly. Obviously, developers will have to like update their apps to allow for this because you're effectively doing new functionalities and it's like a new interaction and like space and and you know you know what i'm saying like window sizes and all of that so it's like a whole new uh series and sets of of uh requirements and interactions that you're doing but it's like as an end consumer 
great. Finally, this is these are this is what widgets are supposed to do. It's not supposed to open up the bloody app. Like, let me interact with the thing. That's why I want to have it right there. Um, for me, like sports scores, scroll, scrolling through like it's baseball season. So like right now, I mean, White Sox. Oh boy. Um, but like if I'm like scroll like flipping back and forth real quick on like my uh, sports app between the sock score and like basketball score or like the fire score or the sky score. Like those are all teams that I'm keeping. I, I literally keep track of in, in my sports app. So like now I can see it like all in one place and interact with it like really quickly without entering the app directly staying on where I am on the iPad. It's just a lot, a lot more convenient, a lot more convenient. This is what widgets were supposed to be. Oh boy. This is, <laughs> this is what widgets were supposed to be. I don't know what that was. Sorry. Um, and then the, uh, annotations for notes. They, they spent a lot of time, like a lot of the themes, uh, now that we're moving into like this specific update and then Mac OS in a little bit, um, uh, annotations for PDFs in notes is I think useful, especially if like you're a student or you're getting PDFs all the time onto your, uh, iPad or whatever. Um, Putting them in the notes app is like obviously where I put put them. Like you can put them in your files, but like you can actually do things and keep track of stuff in the notes app, which is where it's actually useful. And now being able to annotate them directly on there on top of like actually filling in the PDF, saving it, and then like sending the update for like whatever contract or whatever form you're submitting um, is really convenient. It seems like one of those where it's like PDF has become such a standard now that like, you don't need like an Adobe Acrobat reader or anything like that. It's just, just companies are, are doing it automatically, which is nice. And then um, live collaborations, which is a little bit more like work and productivity focused, um, where if you're annotating and someone else, you're working with someone else on the same, like you're sharing the, uh, the notes uh, section and the PDF is there. You're both annotating at the same time. It'll update live on both iPads. Fun useful helpful very functional i think it makes sense but it's very productivity focused um, on that side of it which leads us over to mac os sonoma i thought they were going to call it wine i thought they were going to call it wine country or something fun like that it's like no because uh that's what craig was saying on the uh on the presentation like no sonoma which makes sense it's the region um so a lot of similar things there, bringing over widgets that you can now have on your desktop. I said it in my video. I'm not a huge fan of this. It feels a little cluttered. But if you want them, that's fine. And here's what I mean. Like now the experience is a little bit broken because on the iPad, those widgets, those similar style widgets, you will be able to interact with them directly on iPad OS 17 on the, on the newest one. But not on Mac OS Sonoma. It'll open up the entire application directly, which is like, okay, I mean, at least I have it at a glance. Um, but now if I like want to interact with it, you can't. It'll open up the app, which is like, okay, what are, I mean, I guess first iteration, right? Like I get that, but it's one of those like, I don't know if <laughs> you're, you're creating a bit of a broken experience across the, the devices, but whatever, it's okay. Um, so that one's there. Um they, Craig specifically called out like, oh, if now if I want to like have my widget for uh, Reddit Apollo, <laughs> it's like I can do that now. It's like well, not for long, Craig. Maybe not for long, especially after the whole API debacle with with Reddit that they're going to be charging a bajillion dollars for uh, the API calls. Um, 
this was for sure recorded before any of that happened. Otherwise, I'm sure Apple would have taken it down um, or removed that <laughs> from the presentation. I just thought it was very funny because everyone's like, well, well, we'll see for how long you can actually use Apollo, dudes. Um, but that was that was funny. Uh, and then the other one, again, very productivity focused, is the uh, ability to uh, bookmark. They, they didn't call it bookmark specifically, but like making web apps. So you can like bookmark, effectively bookmark, uh, a web application that you're regularly using. So for my purposes, I'm thinking like a Jira or like a Trello or, or something like that. Uh, if it's like a, a, an application that you access through your browser, um, you can now like add that to your applications folder on your Mac. So it looks like an icon, like an actual app on your computer. But what it's actually doing is just opening up a browser that looks that like encases it in like a very pretty, almost native app experience like container. Um, and then just takes you to that web app. They don't have to do the nice thing is like, I guess they're doing something with like HTML five to like make it look like it's an app, but it's really just a, the web interface, um, which I think is like, again, cool. This very, they focus so much on like work things specifically, um, which I guess Apple must know that like, especially in tech, that their presence has really increased over the last 10 years or so over uh, Windows. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I get that. The only thing that I, that I thought about, and like maybe there's some information that I haven't looked up uh, on Apple side, maybe, maybe it's happening this week. Um, it's like, how are you managing all of this? Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking down the line, right? Like if the DMGT is, you know, actively regularly, like using the notes app for sharing apps with like another writer or like an editor or anything like that. If we, if we ever get to that point, which we will, we will. Uh, I'm like, how are we managing all of this? I don't want, I wouldn't want people to be using like their personal profiles or an accounts and iCloud accounts to be managing this. Like there should be like a managed services system or, or something out there. I know that, uh, like, Mac OS server is like a thing and you can manage like IT manage uh, like software and things like that uh, or like through Okta or whatever. Um, I don't know. That's just one of those things that I thought of like very nerdy and, and old IT of me. Um, but anyways, that's that's where, where that is. And then you can now have uh, profiles. They're added profiles to Safari. Honestly, Safari's been doing pretty good. They've had some pretty good updates over the years late, lately and they keep alleging that they're the fastest browser in the world. Like the, the problem is like, just like I'm so embedded in Apple's ecosystem on like my uh, personal devices and like my gadgets, like my phones, iPads, uh, my watch. I'm also super embedded in the Google ecosystem on like my email and account presence for non Apple things. You know what I'm saying? Like, so like I get that, like, Safari is probably more efficient than Chrome, and Chrome takes up so many RAM resources, yada, yada. It's just, especially, like, as someone who's, like, still working through Google for, like, that's where our email for the DMGT is hosted. That's where, like, the YouTube channel is, which is still, like, the primary focus. That's how I have everything through um, Squarespace because it's a Google domain, like I just said. Like, it's just I'm so embedded in that Google in in that specific section of like my digital life and like online, um, just like management of like digital things that I that come to me. It's just I, I it just it just makes more sense to keep it on Chrome. 
Um, I would love to switch over to Safari, but maybe it's a good thing that I'm not like completely 100% in one single ecosystem. I'm still, I'm still in multiple. And then obviously on my, on the PC side, I'm on windows, even though I don't really use, uh, Microsoft accounts for anything really. Um, but yeah, it looks good. It looks good. Uh, good, good updates there. Uh, and then they like quickly sped through some, uh, home and audio, uh, things, um, that uh, a couple of stuff that, that I'm interested in the most, um, I'll start off with like AirPods Pro getting uh, what they're calling adaptive audio now. Only on the AirPod Gen 2, uh, AirPods Pro Gen 2, so the, the the newest ones that just came out this year or late last year, I believe, uh, where it'll like track your behaviors. And if you're like outside and it's like picking up like ambient noise and things like that, if you have adaptive audio enabled, it'll automatically flex and adjust like the hear through and the noise canceling. I think one of the cool examples, and this doesn't release until, or this doesn't get updated until the fall. So I couldn't test it out today or anything like that. Um, is if, uh, what do they call it? Uh, conversational awareness, um, where if someone walks up to you, you have your you know, your, your AirPods on and music is going and they start com- conversing with you, it'll automatically detect that, that that's happening, lower the volume, increase the hear through and focus on voice frequencies specifically. I think this is super cool. The uh, WMX fives, the Sony's uh, have, I, I think they, it's like the best implementation so far for the price on noise cancellation specifically and hear through um, on the earbud sides. It's, clearly airpods pro uh but on the full headphone size i like that like i can just place my hand over one of the ear cups and like i can like continue on the conversation um it's just it just works really well um even with that chest stress like i never really thought about i never really thought that that was like an inconvenience to like put my hand over the, the thing and like listen to someone speaking to me when i have my headphones on um so now the ability to like have that happen automatically automagically is cool Sorry, I'm sorry. You can you can stop listening to the episode now. <laughs> that was terrible. Why that? I'm gonna leave it in for shame. I'm gonna shame myself. Uh, I'm leaving that in. I apologize. Oh my goodness. Uh, anyways, yeah, automatically having that focus on voices, I think is cool. That's I love. I love 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 my AirPods Pro. I think it is easily Apple's best product, pound for pound. And I love the uh, my MacBook Pro with the M1 Max that I have that I bought a few years ago when that came out and what was it, 2020, 2021. Um, it's a really good machine. I love it. I, it's been a, a dream to like edit and do things and, and do all the, my creative stuff um, that has done relatively well this year, especially. Um, I love it. But AirPods Pro 2, I'm, you know, as someone who's always listening to music, has headphones on a lot of the times, it's my favorite apple device it's still their best one like if i if i had to recommend a single apple product to anyone ever it's the airpods pro 2 they're that good they are that good straight up so now that they're making it even better cool super thumbs up love that those those are like quality of life improvements that i like i don't even really think about that much like i didn't even know that i needed but now it's like oh yeah of course how have i been living without this feature like of course give me that um on top of the audio quality being very good this is obviously like for instances where like if i'm at an office or if i'm walking around with my headphones on like that's where i'm a little bit more uh, aware or trying to be aware of my surroundings whereas like if i'm in my home office and just like focusing on something 
I want full noise cancellation, full uh, like audio fidelity quality. Um, so for that scenario, I think it's very good. And then they talked about improved um, like audio handoff between your Apple devices, which I never really saw as like a big issue like it gets a little clunky sometimes especially since i have like a lot of my devices in close proximity if i go from like my apple tv in the bedroom to like my macbook and then my my phone if i like pull up tiktok on the side or whatever um, sometimes it gets a little wonky so improved performance there which is nice and then like the tap to mute and unmute another quality of life thing that uh, just makes sense some other things that I didn't really care all that much on was like SharePlay and improved SharePlay capabilities. So like if you're on a FaceTime call, um, you'll be able to like share, someone can share like whatever they're watching. So YouTube video, Netflix, whatever it is, they can share that and stay on the call and like everyone's like in that one session. A lot of these ideas felt very, and I've said this too many times, I feel like I'm going crazy, uh, but I don't know. I don't know if you've seen the video or if you've heard me talk about this lately it feels like the the uh some of this stuff was born out of the pandemic and quarantine um that are just now getting or seeing the light of day but still nice i guess like i don't know who's taking facetime calls on their tv or in the living room and then like doing this collective thing anymore um but i guess that's cool for i guess you know if you have family members that don't live with you or whatever um it's a nice little feature similar deal with uh shareplane um your music, I think, is right. Did I did I have this right? Yeah, you share playing your music. So if you can you can get like onto like a synced listening session through like Apple Music, um, and your AirPods and stuff, which is cool. If like maybe you're syncing up a run with someone, that one I could see some more use cases for than like FaceTiming from your couch on the TV. Um, and then like CarPlay, SharePlay in CarPlay, I think is maybe the most convenient update on the. Uh, uh, share play updates where if you have CarPlay in your car and everyone's updated to iOS 17, SharePlay will not detect that and people can opt in and start joining your your session to like play music in someone else's car. Obviously, it's all up to, you know, the driver and stuff who's in control or the passenger who's really is DJ. But like, I think that's a nice thing, especially now that I know like, I well, I'm not going to have this won't work for the summer because iOS 17 isn't coming out till later this year. But anyways, for like road trips and things like that, I'm just thinking about like um, when I helped my brother drive back from Portland a month ago, um, it would have been nice to just be like, hey, let me just like pop in a couple of songs here and like maybe you can create like a quick jamming session back and forth without having to like, you know, going through the hassle. Oh my God, hassle, first world problems of like creating a playlist, yada, yada. It can just happen from the share play session and just go, boom, hop in and out, add a couple of songs, uh, which I think is cool. Honestly, there's still <laughs> quite a bit more, but those are were, those were some of the highlights for me. Um, so I'll leave it there and let's get, let's get into it, right? The uh, Vision Pro, because my goodness, do I have thoughts? Does the internet have thoughts on this? The Vision Pro clocks in at $3,500, starting starting at $3,500, okay? So this isn't, this isn't like, okay, it's just $3,500. Like, it seems like there's going to be a couple of versions of this, which makes sense if you're downloading apps and doing stuff on the headset itself. Um, probably more storage and maybe a more powerful M2 chip. There's an M2 chip. It's powering this, so it's basically its own computing device. Um, an R1 chip, which is like processing all the sensors that are in this thing, which 
like six cameras, uh, like a bunch of IR sensors, LIDAR sensors, proximity sensors, like a lot of sensors on this headset. Like it's the amount of sensors and the design that obviously only Apple could get away with because they have the budget for it. Like Oculus wouldn't be able to get away with this. Uh, PlayStation VR obviously wouldn't be able to get away with this. Maybe HTC, kind of. They could maybe. Um, but the, the whole idea here is that the way that Apple's presenting it is more of a, and I hate, I hate this phrase, but it's like the only way I can really describe it is like, they're trying to push for this, like spatial computing is what they're calling it specifically. But to me, it feels more like, and this is the gross phrase. Uh, it feels a lot more like digital integration, digital life integration, uh, which I hate. I hate, I, I'm sorry, it's like remnants of working in tech. Um, but that's what that feels like. If I had to use like the right words, like non-Apple words, that's what it feels like. Where it's like, oh, uh, you know, if you have your headset on and someone walks up to you, you they get you pass through uh, an image of them through the external cameras. Uh, so you can see them, someone that came up to you. If you're taking photos or whatever, or video. This one was the worst one. I hate it. I think a lot of people hated it. And I think this is where it's uh, the concept itself is at risk potentially where it's uh, kind of similar to like Google Glass, where it's like Google Glass didn't fail because it was a bad product. Google Black Glass failed because people don't want to be wearing things on their face to interact. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the whole example of like that father having this stupid ass thing on his, on his face during like one of his kid's birthdays and like recording video there and then like playing back that moment is like, uh, MKBHD's video put it pretty pretty good. Uh, I saw that when he was like, it's creating a memory for you, but what is the memory for everyone else around you like? And that's where it's like, yeah, ah, yeah, yeah, this isn't great. Because at least with like uh, like a Quest or a PSVR, it's like you know you're like in a gaming-specific uh, mindset. It's like a very specific scenario and use case. So it's like a little bit different where you're not like – the expectation isn't that you're interacting with someone else, right? It's the expectation is like, oh, you're taking a turn playing this thing. Cool, my turn next after you. I can see what you're seeing on the TV, yada, yada. Um, that's one where it's like, well, okay, I don't know how I feel about that. Imagine being like at an office because they also like pitch this for like workplaces because a lot of the uh, examples was like, oh, um, I'm like in an office setting and like you're pulling up your browser and like your apps and like this virtual keyboard and you're doing things someone walks up to you and you can still see like your local environments and it's just pulling up like a projection of like the windows that are customizable to your area but it's still like passing through your your like physical surroundings so if someone walks up to you leaves you a note you can like quickly interact with them without taking the headset off once again <laughs> it's just like okay what does that look like for that other person that just walked by and like is handing off something to you you know it's like uh, the, this implementation here like once you start really like thinking about it more than just like the cool tech behind it because i do think it's interesting tech it's fascinating tech um before we even get into like all the black mirror references and the dystopian future and ready player one stuff um it's just it's just like socially it feels like it's gonna be weird like if someone's if if you're talking to me with this bloody headset on i'm like take take this stupid shit off take it off can you talk to me look at me when you're doing it the whole eye thing where it's passing through it's like scanning your face and it passes through a like projection of your eyes to the external display because it's not 
translucent. It looked they they tried to make it appear like it was translucent during like the first half of the uh, Vision Pro's presentation, and it's like no, no, it's actually an external display, and it's like actually just like projecting, uh, uh like. A, a digital version of your eyes basically <laughs> just like so weird it's so weird um i don't like it i don't like that that implementation of it the the the, the thing about it is like there's some cool things here that like people are forgetting that like 3d media and um like vr stuff has been a thing for a while but we all knew, and like I have said it on this podcast, go back to previous episodes, maybe around the time the PSVR 2 came out. Apple releasing their own version of this starts potentially opening up the floodgates for like mass consumers actually accepting the idea of like VR media consumption. I don't know about Apple's specific vision of it and their version of it, but at least the idea of consuming media in VR becomes fascinating. Because specifically, when they brought up Bob Iger, who also came out, this was this was like a this was a huge punch. Like especially if if I'm Meta specifically, which good screw you Meta. Uh, if I'm Meta, and Bob Iger just came out as like we're talking about direct entertainment integration for VR AR experiences on the Vision Pro and like the Vision platform as a whole, which I think is like, that's why they called it the Vision Pro. If you go to Apple's website, it says Vision, just like it does Mac, iPad, iPhone. There's going to be different versions of this. I think this is the first one that they're starting with. Um, I'm shaking in my boots. I'm shaking in my boots. If you're the, the old Zuck, they're basically killing Meta, the Metaverse, um, even though, even though Apple's like also letting you scan your face to create your own avatar. So if you're like, here's the other thing, like there are a lot of conflicting stuff too, because they're talking about like reducing screen time for your children and yada, yada with the watch updates and stuff. You scan your face and then it's a projection of your avatar when you join a FaceTime call with the Vision Pro on. I don't, I'm getting derailed here. There's like a lot of mixed messages. I, I'm less, more no than, than I am Yes. Back to the back on track. Sorry, the media uh, consumption side. And then they they show this trailer with like uh, Disney movies, obviously Star Wars stuff. Which like, oh my god, here's where you're starting to sucker me in because I'm I'm a stupid stupid consumer that loves Star Wars and sports. They do the Star Wars things where it's like it feels like you're in like a jet like a Tie Fighter or something like that while you're watching the Mandalorian. Cool. Give me three D. <laughs> give me three D Star Wars. Uh, media i will i i will watch that um and then the sports thing the sports thing is where they're getting me the most where if like the nba has been like especially during the pandemic they had this like thing where you could have like 3d uh vr um interactions with like games like courtside it's, it's like simulated courtside uh, uh type implementation which by the way uh this was spencer idea this was spencer's idea but we got to talk about how uh sports leagues are it, le leveraging technology because a lot of them are doing some cool stuff the nba in particular the idea that like i can have like a virtual courtside like experience for a basketball game i'm completely in on it, this is part of the problem of being a, t a tech person who's also like a bit of a nerd, but also like loves sports, loves sports. The idea that like maybe I can like, you know, like a freeform camera around like you would in a game when you're like in picture mode in a, during like a live basketball game with all the cameras and then the way that they have that implemented. 
I would I would even accept a bit of uh, some latency and a delay to get that experience because that's cool. To me, that is a cool implementation of AR VR. It's really just VR. I like it. I like it. Uh, the whole idea of that, like maybe you're like on a plane or something, and like you have your VR headset on, which is lo- is gonna look very stupid if you do this. But again, just conceptually, you're on the plane. And you can like adjust your surroundings in the virtual space to make it feel like you're in the movie theater with a huge giant ass projection to watch even just like regular 2D media. Cool. I, I mean, I don't hate that implementation. I don't hate the idea and that concept of watching movies like that. I don't know how I feel. Like, I think fa- fatigue, eye fatigue, long term, has got to be a thing. Um, they w- again, they talk about like decreasing screen time and <laughs> having your kids not develop myopia. Wild. Hey, don't develop myopia. Here's some eye tracking things for your children. Also, put this big ass <laughs> device with the screen an inch away from your face. Uh, anyways. Uh, th- these these are the reactions that I'm having to this Apple event because it's just it's all over the place. Um, but anyways, that felt pretty good. But overall, as like a computing device, not a fan of, not a fan of the eye tracking stuff. Very cool, foveated rendering, very cool. Hand gestures, no hardware. I think is probably the biggest innovation here on the VR side. I think this is where people need to be paying attention the most on as far as like where VR might go in the future. So instead of having like hardware controls, it's just like hand gestures and your eye tracking and voice control for doing things and computing. Interesting. Interesting. I said this about the PSVR's eye tracking technology, especially if you're thinking, thinking more about like beyond just like everyday day-to-day consumer uh, use cases. I'm thinking about like, and who knows if if Sony or Apple will allow this tech to be used this way or if, you know, they're feeling generous. But, like, I'm thinking, like, potentially, like, what that means for people with disabilities and people that don't have the same capabilities um, that, like, I have. Eye tracking is one of those things where it's like, okay, cool, I think we're ha- we're onto something here, potentially. Like, that's, that's, there could be a myriad of use cases that I'm not thinking of, smarter people are thinking of right now. That tech, I could see the potential for that tech being used um, it, it, for, for other non just like media consumption and entertainment purposes. Um, $3,500 is just too much. It's not a consumer device anymore. Um, I think that's why they called it the Pro because they're going to have like a Vision Lite or a Vision SE at some point and future iterations of it will make a lot more sense. Throughout the entire presentation, they had like this giant cable that was tethered to someone's pocket. I thought for like a good chunk of the presentation, I thought I was like, oh, this is powered by an iPhone. This is crazy. They're powering it by an iPhone. And that's why I thought like, oh, maybe this is going to be sub a thousand bucks. No, it's a battery pack or connected to power to a power outlet. Why? <laughs> why do you have this long ass cable for the battery pack? If it's like, is it detachable? Nobody knows. Is it going to be a proprietary Apple battery pack? Again, no one knows. Weird. Weird. Very clearly like first iteration. Um, I think Steve Jobs would hate it, but also who cares? Steve Jobs stole people's ideas all the time, so screw him too. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Um, it's just I don't know. It, it's it's a weird device. I don't hate the idea of this headset, um, and like what it potentially could do on the entertainment side. 
on the whole digital integration and like recording and like using that to like capture experiences instead of like just living in them. Not, not, not sold on, not sold on. Uh, as far as like, you know, the future and what it means on like behaviors on consumers and like social media and things like that, if I want to survive uh, and like make a living, I got to keep a track, a tr- track of these things. And like, you have to adapt regardless. Right. Um, so in that sense, like I'll be ready to, to adapt. Uh, but as far as like, do I personally like this thing? Yes and no. Um, I think for the tech and for what it is specifically and what it's trying to be, it's not, it, it's an expensive device. I, I wouldn't have put 2000 bucks, 2000 bucks, maybe 25, $3,500 too much. It's just too much. Um, I'm no longer interested in this. Like if Apple want, if Apple, if, Apple, if you want to send a headset over and like make me eat my words, I, I'm glad to. I'm happy to. Some of the first impressions um, were pretty relatively positive. Some stuff were, wasn't as great um, from people that were at, at Cupertino yesterday and like got some hands-on demo time with it. Sure, I'll love to eat my words. In my opinion, this makes the PSVR to they're completely different use cases. I know I have to preface it with all of that. They're completely different use cases. It makes the PSVR to a much more appealing device, especially if at some point Sony is going to add 3d media support at some point, Sony is going to add uh, movie support. And like, you, like you could, you could do the NBA stuff that I was just talking about on the original PSVR. So once you have like that implementation and if they do like, I don't know if they would, but if they potentially ever like support or or something happens on the PC VR side support where you can buy the headset without the PS5, then it's cooking. Then it makes more sense. I I still think like now you have a, if you, if you combine a PS5 and a PSVR two, that's a thousand dollars. That's less than a third of the price of a, uh, vision pro. Um, and like, do you want to compete? Like you can get, you can get a MacBook pro, you can get a Mac Studio for less than the price of a Vision Pro. And it's going to be more powerful for the work stuff that they're talking about. Without the dumb, like, social thing of, like, having this thing on your face for work things. Which is what they also pitch. So it's like, I don't know, it's it's a lot all over the place. Um, I think it makes the PSVR too enticing, even if though there's, they're different use cases. Completely different use cases. They're not selling the same thing. But also, it's a VR headset. It's a VR headset at the same time. Eye tracking, PSVR has it. Foveated rendering, PSVR has it. You have hardware, I get it, but you also have pass-through. I mean, all headsets have pass-through. Um, people are like, oh, uh, the Quest 3 is like 500 bucks, and it's like more standalone. It's what Sony should have done. It's like, I don't know. I think Sony knows exactly what they're trying to go for. Not to say that their device can't fail. PS Vita, hello, I'm looking at you. Um, but if, you know whatever that I, I think it definitely this is the type of thing that i think that's where like sony's psvr2 is like jabbing at it's not jabbing at no oculus quest 3 or 2 like as convenient as that is it cannot touch what the psvr2 can do on the tech side and on the performance side like not even a little bit so i don't want to hear that argument anymore um if you're talking about like an HTC Vive with the P with the PC, and then you're talking about fifteen hundred dollars at least, two thousand dollars, that's where the PSVR makes more sense. That's where it's being more competitive, absolutely more competitive, pound for pound. If you look at this in the Vision Pro, 
Different use cases, though. So I digress. Hey, I remember when I said something about a surprise for Spencer? It's Spencer's birthday this weekend. So if anyone's listening at this point, I'm sorry. It took me this long to get here. Uh, if anyone's listening at this point, uh, on our on Twitter or on Instagram or on TikTok, wherever you are, uh, leave the following comment. Bud Light Lime. Let's Bud Light Lime. Just leave that. That'll be like a little birthday surprise for for your boy, Spenny. Um and because he definitely didn't get through to the end of this video and hopefully you did <laughs> so do that birthday's coming up on sunday i know when this birthday is i should know this hold on give me a second it's on sunday uh, so leave bud light lime a comment bud light lime summer any of our videos any of our videos any of our posts reply with bud light lime i i will appreciate it. i'll make i'll compile like a video of his reaction or something at some point um so there Diablo 4. Do we want to talk about Diablo 4? I'm almost an hour in. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's so much, like, the Apple event took me so long to talk about. Let's, let, yeah, screw it. Let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, Diablo 4 is good. That's it. Okay, bye. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no, no. I'll actually talk about it a little bit. I am super impressed with the audio design and the voice acting in Diablo 4. I think I was not expecting it to be at the caliber that it actually is because I have found myself just stopping and appreciating like what I'm hearing through my headphones. And this is where it helps. Like this is where it's like a little annoying, like where it, it's annoying, but like it also pays off to be an audiophile a little bit because I'm using like my good headphones with like my good headphone amplifier on my desktop, even though it's passing through uh, the capture card on my PS5. But it sounds incredible. Like the, the like the way that like I can place sounds, distinct sounds in the middle of like combats, in the middle of conversations. It feels like the world is lived in. And that is super impressive. If I'm like having a conversation or like there's some dialogue happening with uh, an NPC, you can hear like the hammer on the anvil. You can hear people hammering on like the, uh, you know, if they're doing maintenance on the house or whatever. It's like, again, like the different, you can hear textures through the sound. Like metal has, and the anvil has a distinct sound. Uh, hammering nails to wood has a distinct sound. When soldiers are adjusting like themselves, when they're like in guarding positions, like they have the spear and it's like they stomp it on the ground a little bit when they're adjusting, like you can hear those distinctively and they have their own sounds. They sound unique to that specific action on top of like, uh, you break a barrel in combat, uh, for, for me running as a sorcerer, uh, the electricity has its, has, has really good sound fire and ice sound different. The, uh, whoever they hired to do all the sounds for like the the mobs and enemies in this game kudos to them man because they nailed it like that's got to be a fun thing to do just be making like a those sounds i'm sorry that i'm sure that was awful in your headphones and i apologize once again um that's twice i've had to apologize on this episode but it sounds really good the voice acting is it like fits the tone of the world. Like there are different dialects of like, like some Irish is coming through, some Scottish is coming through, some regular like American English is coming through. Some, it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. It's 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 like slightly fantastical without like approaching the um, like it doesn't go over the cringe line where it's like I'm an anime and we're gonna go save the world. 
you know? Like, I'm sorry, anime fans, but that's what anime sounds like to me, and that's why I don't really watch anime that much. There's, like, a handful that I do. Uh, but it sounds really good. Like, the way that they mixed, like, uh, Inarius's voice is really cool. The way that they mixed Lilith's voice is very cool. Your own character is ha- like has really good voice acting to it the dialogue works really well the writing is really good the story is like solid it's not like the greatest story in the world i'm also like only through the first act uh that i fully completed um but a lot of the side quests make sense the dungeon design that's where you start like teetering a little bit they get a tiny bit repetitive um but that's okay the gameplay loop is what's bringing me back um the sound, the sound, the sound. There, there's a few times when, when I notice it in the game, it's because it's really good. And that's not because I'm like smart at sound design. It's just like I typically appreciate it and like I, I like I catch it. I catch that work. So kudos to the to the Blizzard team that worked on the audio engineering and the audio design for this game because it's spectacular. I think the last time a game caught me caught my attention this much on the audio design was um, Housemark with um, Returnal on the PS5. Another game, immaculate, incredible sound design. Um, yeah, it's just it's just so so good. I, I really uh, I like it a lot. The music and the tone is it makes sense for the different regions. Every region has its own feel, and it just works super. The rain. There was a section I, I recorded earlier, and I put it up on TikTok where it's like you can hear the rain. I'm like on a bridge and you can hear it's raining and you can hear the different how different the rain sounds hitting the pavement, hitting the river, and you can hear the flow of the river with the thunderstorm. And they're all placed like in perfect pockets in the mix. It's oh my god, I can gush about this all day long. It's really good. I don't even talk about the gameplay. The gameplay is good. I mean, yeah, it's I'm having fun with it, but if I had to talk about a Diablo thing real quick, that's what it is. The audio design. Um, we'll run some games here probably with uh spencer uh this week and maybe we'll have like some fun recordings we'll post some of those somewhere um just have a good a good time with that uh, but I, i'm having a good time it's it's good i think coming off of uh, tears of the kingdom something that's a little bit more competitive um and a little bit more uh, fluid on the combat side i'm a big fan of um it's just it's just scratching a different itch i, I think there was like I was missing a little bit of a multiplayer itch and I thought it was because I wanted a shooter for so long um, and I wanted it to be Modern Warfare 2 and it wasn't. Um, yeah, it, it's... Uh, this is a good game and I'm going to sink in a lot of hours to it. I, like, the fact that like you get to Endgame and, and that's where the real game begins is cool to me. Um, Street Fighter 6 looks great. I if That one's just going to be the one that waits i'm gonna have to wait until until i get that but that's okay i'm not super worried about it let's get ready for uh summer games fest we'll see what what xbox has in store for us this weekend i'll probably be streaming the uh the kickoff events on thursday so go follow the tiktok um that's probably where i'll be streaming at the most um just because i can't multi-stream onto twitch just yet maybe i will maybe i will um but hey thanks for listening uh go watch my youtube video I mean, I guess not. You already listened to this podcast episode. You don't need to do recap, but maybe do anyway. So you can drop me a like. Helps to help the algorithm. Leave a comment or something. Uh, okay, bye.